Hey, I'm Daryl Etherington, and you're joining us on Found with me, my best friend, my co-host, and the harmony to my melody. Yeah, you nailed it. Should I be the high <laughs> harmony or the, the low harmony? I don't know how music works. I think I would have to be the high <laughs> harmony because of the timbre in your voice. Hi, folks. I'm Jordan Crook. Hey, yeah, Jordan. Wow. You know why I made that, that reference? I do know. Around. Do you know? Yes, because this week on Found, the podcast from TechCrunch, that is the best, but that is also about the stories behind the startups, the founders who built the businesses. We have a musical founder. Her business is not musical, to yeah, be clear. Yeah, the, the startup <laughs> has nothing to do with music. It's actually like, you could think of it as the opposite, but she herself is musical and we love multidimensional founders. Yes. Can't get enough yeah. of them. Yeah, and Jackie from Clear Brief is probably one of our most multidimensional. At least this was the most surprising twist when we delve into the personal life that I think that I think we've experienced. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I think we both leaned back a little bit like, wait. Yeah, we what? were blown away. Yeah. But luckily you'll hear exactly what we're talking about on this episode. Clear Brief is legal software and it is a platform that essentially kind of fact checks as you go an argument that you're making or that opposing counsel is making against the record of documents submitted in the court case, which is an immensely useful thing to be able to do. Saves tons and tons of hours of manual work. Yeah, very cool company. Very interesting founder. I think you'll love this conversation. I'm joie. Hey, Jackie, how's it going? Hey, it's going really well. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, thanks for joining us. So we would love to hear more about Clear Brief. Make it clear and make it brief. <laughs> that is not <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it should be. <laughs> uh, no, but, you know, give us the elevator pitch. Uh, take as much time as you want. Right? <laughs> and be as confusing as you want, I guess. <laughs> So ClearBrief is a legal tech platform that is helping lawyers and courts modernize the legal writing process. So it's taking their writing right in Microsoft Word, where that's where, you know, attorneys and judges are comfortable <laughs> and <laughs> transforming that using AI and helping them find the factual evidence that best supports whatever they're arguing and also score their writing as compared to the facts so that you can easily spot where someone's misrepresenting the record. And it does a number of other really cool things that take away the stress that litigators face and that truly bogs down our justice system. Wow. Okay, cool. So is that, I mean, I assume this kind of thing goes on, but is it normally handled by people? Like, uh, like associates and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the litigation process involves a team of people at a, at a big firm, at a small firm. So we're, we're actually focused mostly working with solo practitioners and small mm -hmm. firms. Most lawyers and most litigators in the country are working at those small firms. And so for them, they might not have anyone helping them, or they might have one paralegal or legal assistant. And the process really takes a lot of time in, in making sure that everything you say in your court filing is accurate. Literally, I mean, it's, it's kind of like writing a research paper, right? right. Legal writing, you are supposed to have a citation for every single thing that you say to the court, and the court will look that up. <laughs> and so you will lose, basically, if the court is like, all right, you're telling me that the facts are this, that this witness said X, Y, Z, 
Let me go find that batch of discovery, scroll to the page. Oh, you're lying. You know, that that happens mm. a lot where judges see that and you immediately lose credibility. Wow. Okay. But what if you oh. want to mislead them? <laughs> <laughs> no. You should definitely be a lawyer yeah. then. That's going to work out really well. Uh, I've been inspired. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's no. a really great point. I mean, I actually get a lot of questions about that because part of the art of lawyering and the art of writing is that, you know, you have a light touch sometimes where you're like, well, gesturing broadly to this opinion, the court held blah, blah, blah. That's fine. What Clear Brief is doing is basically helping the writer so that it's pulling up if you're citing, for example, to an opinion and you'd make that kind of a, a broad general statement. Clear Brief is pulling up that page of the opinion so that when you're checking over your writing before you file and Clearbrief might flag that as as yellow or orange, like, mm. yeah, you might want to take a second look. It seems like you're not really ca- like that th- that substance does not exist necessarily <laughs> in the document. Right. And then the lawyer can at least be aware of that decision and decide to maybe actually rein it in a little bit and make it more factually accurate or, you know, more specific to what the opinion actually said, because judges prefer that. Right. So how, yeah, they want like, it to be persuasive. It's not like you're trying to trick juries or something, right? Judges are more like <laughs> legal minded and yeah. Yeah, they want to see the sources and read that, you know, it's almost it's unlike fiction writing or like creative writing, uh, which is funny because that's, you know, when I was an undergrad, I was really interested in that kind of writing. Legal writing is completely the opposite. It's like don't use adjectives, <laughs> like don't be flowery. When you say something, you want to pretty much be able to go to that source and see that it basically says almost exactly that statement. So how like, how smart is clear brief? I guess what I mean by that is like, if I'm, you know, in a lawsuit, I think the great example would be to use me and my landlord because I, this guy, Uh-oh. I'll tell you later, <laughs> is Jackie. Is this turning into getting free legal advice for No, no, it's litigation? not. It's okay. not. It's not, right? But like, so there's been a leak in my apartment for a billion years, it feels like, and no recompense. And if I were to go to a tenant's lawyer and sue this guy, there would be all different kinds of evidence, right? Like there would be pictures, there would be insurance filings for my renter's insurance. There would be emails back and forth between us with like probably misspelled stuff in there, here and there, right? Messages. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so my lawyer is going to write all this stuff up, right? And he's documenting all of it in one brief. Mm -hmm. Like how smart. So when he says like, oh, you can see in the picture in exhibit A that there's a stain on the northeast corner of the bedroom ceiling. Like how smart is clear brief and saying like, well, we have a picture and we know that's the northeast corner and we can is is that what you're talking about like am i getting the picture this is actually a perfect example i'm so excited that you said that (laughs) thank you right now the way that the status quo of our justice system is that when your lawyer you know your tenant's lawyer files that brief with the court it's like filing a flat piece of paper so anytime that the lawyer is saying look at the corner of the apartment look at this picture look at this text message you're asking the judge to go dig through whatever you know the evidence gets filed with the court right it's like a bunch of pdfs the court has to go find that one pdf figure out which page they're referring to out which exhibit it's like wasting the court's time going and looking it up because you just gave them a flat piece of paper so what clear brief is doing from the start is that lawyer is starting with a word document and we're hooking up the evidence that the lawyer is citing to so that every step of the way it's pulling up whatever that lawyer put if they're they're saying see exhibit a clear brief knows what page exhibit a is on pulls it up 
So that lawyer can make sure, okay, that is what I meant to show the court. And yes, it can figure out things like nuance. It's not just looking for keywords, right? Like what was the example that a leak or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So stain, like, yeah. yeah, stain, it could, it could have, you know, synonyms or other kind of ambiguous wording. It can figure out the most relevant documents in the discovery so that let the lawyers like, oh, look at this statement that the landlord made at the hearing. And he admitted that he hadn't checked on the leak in five years. And he cites to one page of the transcript. Well, Clearbeef will be like, yeah, that's a good site. Here's five or six other sites from mm. that transcript that also could be good to show the court because it's talking about something related to the leak or the landlord saying something. And so that helps your lawyer actually put even more evidence. But then when they're done, the lawyer can use our platform to create an interactive version of that filing so that it's not just a paper document. It's something that they, yeah, they file it as a paper document like usual, but they also send an email that links to a cloud-based version. So now the judge can see, okay, they're telling me exhibit A is the picture. Like, cool, I can see the picture. And it's mm. it has a interactive split screen version. Because really what is most persuasive is just showing the judge the evidence. They know that lawyers are kind of bullshitting <laughs> and just are having that, you know, that bias to their writing, right? Their advocacy. They want to see the evidence. So this is really helping your lawyer win by, look, they can say less and show more. Oh, yeah. this sounds amazing. So I feel like eventually you can get to the point where, where we you skip the it. argument phase. Yes. And well, then and you replace just send... all that paperwork, right? Like that is so... Well, yeah. Yeah, because that's insane. Like, I, so my my father's actually a labor law arbitrator here in Canada, and so he does like all decisions all the time, right? And he's just carrying huge boxes of paper back and forth between places to like comb through, and it seems awful. <laughs> but well, it's just I, like there is so much like human in there. So that's what I was wondering too about the scoring, because there are pieces where you're citing evidence, right, or you're citing like a precedent or an opinion, and that's like all pretty cut and dry. I would understand how you would score that. But then there are also parts of legal filings, particularly like in complaints, where it's like this caused irreparable damage to their professional career. Right. And like it's almost impossible to match evidence to some of the statements made by lawyers in certain ways. Right. Where they're just like saying like X and Y lead to Z and Z like, are you sure? leads to the or like how you know it can get really inflammatory and embellished so and and i think that's the job of the lawyer to do that but like does that get scored too well so for complaints actually oftentimes people don't submit any evidence with a complaint it's just because you're sort of just hear ye hear ye like (laughs) we think this is something bad happened and we need that's you know at the beginning of the case you haven't done any discovery yet so you might not have any evidence so you, you have to say things in the complaint that make the court think okay there's a bare minimum of an issue here this case should go forward. But I think you're right, though, in talking about when you're talking about sort of those broad statements. Right now, there is no sort of check on making those broad statements. Mm-hmm. But really, the way that you win, and this is like from my my experience, I've been a litigator for, you know, 13 years. You know, I started out at, in big law at Paul Weiss, but I spent most of my career as an assistant attorney general, where actually in Alaska and here mm-hmm. in Washington State, where as an appellate lawyer, I was regularly arguing before the state Supreme Court and just submitting tons and tons of briefs and pleadings. And you can say those kind of broad things and you might have a purpose, a narrative reason to do that. But when it really, when the rubber meets the road, when the judge is actually making their decision, they're going to be looking and doing their own research as for the sources. So they're like, can you demonstrate that this had material impact and you know, I need to see the receipts, right? Receipts. Exactly. Like when you, if you're saying, you know, these 
immeasurable damages, well, guess what? You're going to have to measure them. And we want to <laughs> show us the evidence of that. But I think to your point about like, how does the AI work? I want to be clear that the first thing that we're doing is actually just like a SaaS thing, right? Like vanilla SaaS flavor, <laughs> bringing up, which is not easy to do, actually, bringing up the source document that the person is citing to. Right. So at minimum, like I want to give another example of how it's used. When you get a brief from your opponent, the first thing you do as a lawyer is you freak out. Like you're like, oh my God, <laughs> their arguments are so good. Like we're going <laughs> to, it's so much evident. Like, and then because of course it's a flat paper document, you can't click on it and see what they're citing to. And then you actually do your work as a lawyer of going, okay, let me look up what the, uh, oh, for the, the transcript did not say that. Like mm. lying, it's fine, we're gonna win. So what Clearbrief is doing in that situation is just helping you save a bunch of time of manually looking up all of those things your opponent said and just, it knows, it can figure out, okay, this is the page that they're citing to. So while you're reading that, you can see what they cited to. Wow. Um, so that's so it's basically helpful. taking like because it's an unstructured data set when it gets to you, right? Like maybe it's structured yeah. in paper, but it's unstructured in terms of like digital access. Exactly. So you're structuring it and then making it indexable and searchable and everything. Right? Yeah. So I would say a lot of what we're doing is is really just minimizing the work of going and finding things and manually looking at them and scrolling to the right page and and then we're adding on the AI. It's always seemed kind of ridiculous to me that like lawyers who have to go to like a billion years of school and pay like hundreds of thousands of dollars to get their degrees, like spend so much of their time, not Googling, but like effectively, right? Like Googling, right? And like going, like reading and writing, like when your mind was developed to like understand all these precedents and like all of the, you know, it's like a big memorization. There's so much already in your head, but you still right. spend so much time looking shit up. A lot of it is information retrieval as opposed to right. analytics and like, or information processing. Right? It costs so much because information retrieval is happening like in there, right? Like that's what you go to law school for is to learn all of the precedents and the rules and how to handle X, Y, Z. But then there's all that extra shit. So I guess my question would be like, if the whole world went to clear brief, would lawyers be cheaper because we don't spend that much time doing all that extra bullshit? Like we could actually just yeah. use the expensive part of your brain. Exactly. I mean, and interestingly, like that's what makes lawyers hate their job, right? Is, is all of the tedious stuff. Lawyers love the analytical part, the, you know, the research, the analysis, the writing. What they hate is there's a lot of just manual tedious work of literally going and writing out the proper format of the citation and making sure that, you know, you actually put the page that you put a week ago when you wrote that first paragraph and getting it all filed. It's very, very stressful and tedious. What I learned actually from talking with lawyers across the country when I was doing my, you know, customer discovery phase of building Clearbrief, a lot of law firms are, they're writing off those hours. Um, mm. So they're just doing like about seven hours of work per brief filed or per motion filed that they're writing off because they're like, well, I already spent 30 hours on this. I can't bill the client for that much. Can't bill the client. It's SGNA. Yeah. God, this <laughs> reminds me of my consulting days, which are dreary. <laughs> right. Like you're, you're just feeling, you know, like it would be somewhat sort of embarrassing to present the client with that much yeah. time spent on ultimately the, the motion might be 25 pages. And they're like, why did you, why did this cost $10,000? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> um, so they're, they're writing that off even at big firms, um, small firms. So it helps the lawyer actually save those seven hours or reduce it down to like one hour of that kind of work. And then they can use that time 
so that they can take on billable work. So right. for them, it, it will allow them to grow their business and earn more money, which ultimately should lead to them being able to make the services more affordable because they're still able to make a good living. They don't need to charge astronomical prices. We're all so long as they pass the savings on instead of pocketing them. But that's not that's not your job. That's <laughs> Jackie's their job. like, listen, I'm solving enough problems, okay? Leave me alone. Well, I, what, what I really see the public benefit of ClearBrief is because we are starting to work with government agencies and courts. Mm. And there's been, after COVID, a lot of courts are facing massive backlogs. Right. And they need to be more efficient because what I learned also, by the way, which as a lawyer, I never really got to have these kinds of conversations with courts. But I'm like, how long are you spending when you get a brief to do your, you know, the work that you have to do to issue an opinion? And what I learned is they're spending like 10 hours per judge sort of on each <laughs> on each brief or, you know, that they're getting each case. And then when they write their opinion, they have to do all this tedious administrative stuff. Again, it's a lot of wasted effort and time in our justice system that could be used to move cases along more efficiently. And it's also making their decisions more accurate if they can easily see the source documents. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like if someone posts an article on Facebook with an inflammatory comment, like how many people actually read the article? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Like, so we wonder, like for judges that are really slammed and court systems that are really slammed, are they going and looking up the evidence for every single thing? They're much more likely to do that if it's easy and clickable. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Because yeah, if you're like feeling that stress and you're way behind and like, even if you're trying to do the best work you possibly can, like you're not going to be in the best position to be able to do that. The stressed people who are facing duress are going to make mistakes more than people who are not, right? So Not to mention like there, aren't there like lots of cases where lawyers are specifically trying to like dump, right? Like dump extra stuff just to make it more oh. time consuming and difficult and costly right. for their opponent and difficult for the judge to kind of sort out what's what and just here's everything, you know, full <laughs> transparency, like yeah. read a hundred years of my life. Yeah, that's the that's the discovery phase can really drag on. It's super interesting because that can definitely be something where big firms are much better equipped to deal with hundreds of thousands of pages of discovery than a small firm. So that is really cool. I feel like we are helping to sort of level the playing field for folks who can't afford a big firm. They have maybe a lawyer who's a solo practitioner. And when the opponent dumps 100,000 pages on them, it's going to be very hard for them to find quickly find the best pieces of evidence in that haystack, right? And so what ClearBrief is doing for those small firms is helping them very quickly figure out what are the most relevant pieces of information in that discovery and incorporate it right into the writing process in Michael's mm. word. So, so that's a lot of time. Do both parties have to be ClearBrief users? Like if I'm going up against a big firm and they decide to do a 100,000 page document dump or whatever, do I have to go manually do anything to ClearBrief it up? Or like clear brief it up. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's it it is a verb. Um, <laughs> clear briefing it. So no, that's kind of the genius like aspect of it is that really you can just use it yourself. No one else needs to have clear brief for you to benefit from it because all you have to do is take whatever filings they did and you can open it in Word and then analyze it. Everybody has access to the same documents in discovery once they're filed in the case. So the court, your opponent, it becomes very straightforward to send this interactive version of your response that links to the source documents so that 
everybody can see them and they don't have to have a paid version of Clearbrief to experience mm. that. And it's basically spoon feeding your arguments and your evidence to the judge. Right. And that sounds like a good growth model too, because then opposing counsel season is like, wait a minute, I could use this. Is that part yeah. of your uh, growth? Yeah. Yeah. It creates this really strong network effect. It's really interesting because the briefs themselves are creating this network where anytime you file something, the court's reading it, their team is reading it, your opponent is reading it. And let's say it's a big firm and Facebook is their their client. So the in-house counsel at Facebook is going to read your brief and their mm-hmm. whole team of litigators might read your brief. So it does create, if they're getting that in this interactive way, it's like, oh, what's this? This is cool. Wait, wait a minute. They're using Clearbrief? Are they going right. to see all of our misdirection? And <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm, we better be more accurate or maybe we need to get Clearbrief so we can run it through first to make sure that. And see what it's going to pull out. And yes. then, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's great. Like, Genius. what is your, because it feels like this isn't just like you said, okay, right now it just pulls everything together and makes it kind of interactive and two dimensional, but it feels like there's a lot of runway into what this could be. So when you think five years or 10 years down the road of what you want clear beef to actually be, I'm sure you don't want to like tell me like the secret sauce and every step and you know, like whatever, mm. but what is the ultimate vision, right? Like, is this supposed to be a replacement for like the existing bullshit? What, what is it called that we use to look up briefings and stuff? Oh, like Pacer? Pacer no, and stuff. External like, facing, right? But yeah. Or like, actually everybody uses Pacer, I think. Right? Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's a great question. In terms of our goals for the justice system, one of the really cool things that we're already doing is like we took recent U.S. Supreme Court opinions, like we took the recent opinion on abortion and we converted it into a Word document and ran it through Clearbrief and pulled up all of the cases, all of the legislation, the sort of evidence that the court was discussing to reach their conclusion. It's on our website. If you go to clearbrief.com slash opinion, you can see some of the recent Supreme Court opinions we did. And so that was shared. It was really cool to see that being shared not only by lawyers, but by non-lawyers who were trying to understand what the court was basing this decision on. And like, okay, I want to see the Texas legislation. I want to read it myself. And so that is actually a big part of our vision is that we want all courts to be using clear briefs so that when they issue an opinion, it's understandable. Right now, most people have no idea how to look up a case that's cited an opinion. It's very challenging to try to, even for lawyers, to try to follow a Supreme Court opinion if you can't read what they're citing to alongside their writing. So it's really about giving the American public that context for all of the opinions that come out from a court. And then we also hope at some point to make it available for pro se litigants, people who represent themselves in court. And really, that's our vision for access to justice. Mm. And beyond the justice system, we're already seeing interest from other verticals where, you know, like insurance and other places where these knowledge workers are basically having to sort of act like a judge. You know, they're taking all this evidence. Okay, this, you know, the insurance coverage for your bad landlord. (laughs) They're like, (laughs) all right, there's this picture of the leak and, you know, and they're like, okay, yep, we're going to cover this. And they have to document their decision of why. It's like anyone who's doing that kind of work where they're trying to evaluate something and using evidence, we think we can help them. Yeah, compliance, regulatory also. It's like genius, B2B. It's great. But Jackie, I want to make sure that our listeners go to the right place because I tried to to go to that URL, but it's clearreef.com slash opinion without an S. Yes. Just so people don't 404. (laughs) And just to be clear too, so that what my URL that I just said isn't misconstrued, genius, like the company, genius for B2B. I mean, it is genius. Oh, I see. I see. The actual genius. Yeah, like annotations and like being able to see the 
side panel yeah. of stuff. I mean, that yeah. would be so much but more with real useful. information. But with actual, like, yeah, <laughs> with not like, you know, I think Drake meant this, you know. <laughs> yeah. so we, we had actually a VC make that comparison. Exactly. So, yeah, you, you're, cool. you're on top of it, Jordan. <laughs> so uh, another thing I want to, for free, you can have this more marketing <laughs> from, or ideas from us. <laughs> but I feel like if you ever do an ad campaign, you should do like the great heyday of like, I guess, 80s and 90s legal dramas. But what happens instead is like it's the little independent firm and they're like rolled up their sleeves and they're sweaty doing all their document review. But they actually just go to Clearbeef and search it and it gives them everything they need at one click. Or you could and then have they just like- go defeat the mega firm with their huge corporate lawyers and budgets. And they're or like, could, well, that was easy. You could straight up parody like Law and right. Order or something too. And like, as they're grandstanding, the litigator like have like, boom, wrong, you know, and like a little clear brief window pops up. This is what they actually should have said. Wow. This is We're getting stuff done for you, Jackie. <laughs> this is great. Um, great mind. Um, it's interesting because small firms, we are trying to think through how we reach them because they're so stressed out and they get a lot mm. of, you know, sales pitches, mostly about marketing. And so I think we we are the first mover in this area. And so we do have a unique message for them, but I think these are great ideas to inspire them. Well, great. All right. And you said part we'll of your plan too. <laughs> yeah. Well, like a small fee, a legal fee. Um, no. So yeah. <laughs> you're trying to get in with small firms, but you're also... It sounds like maybe targeting court systems themselves, right? What does that, because that can be, from what I've heard from companies that try to work with the government in any way, like you can either have like a really amazing domino effect or it can mean like you have to do this 1,000 times, right? To every district and every system and every, you know, like, mm-hmm. and what does yeah. it look like on your end? No, that's that's really interesting. So because my background is in government and after I left the AG's office, I was in-house counsel for a national nonprofit called Casey Family Programs, where part of my role was to negotiate agreements with every single state's child welfare agency. The goal of the nonprofit is to try to sort of bring data to the child welfare process and improve the outcomes for kids and families. And yeah, getting all those agreements negotiated, like I've been through that pain. <laughs> so I I do think I'm really well positioned and it is, it's going really well so far because I'm going straight to like the, the Supreme Court, you know, in certain states and the justices are like, great. Like we want to, you know, <laughs> we want to use clear. They're, they get it. They're stressed out too. That was one of the things that was very liberating in some ways to, to realize is that the judges, the justices, they're human, you know, and, and they also have paranoia about getting things wrong. And they're worried about actually at the the highest court level, the opinions are discussed among the other justices and they sort of need to get buy-in. And so they're worried about a lot of the discussion comes down to, well, where does it say that in the record? Mm. The other places in the record. And when you're at that highest court level, the record is immense. And so it's hard for them to know where something is in the record. And so they love the idea of Clear Brief, helping them figure out how to support their theory of the outcome of the case and make sure that it's accurate compared to what happened below at the trial court. So we're finding, yeah, I mean, it's really great to have these conversations and it it just feels like we're getting to the heart of solving the justice system problems that, you know, this is why I went to law school. I'm so excited about Hmm. what we're doing. That's what I was going to ask. Like, did you always have it in your mind that you wanted to kind of tackle problems at this level? Like you spent a lot of time as a practicing lawyer, but when did you get the earliest kind of inklings that you wanted to do something like 
a startup or, or entrepreneurship? Yeah, it's really funny because I definitely didn't think of myself as a technologist when I was starting out. I just, I always liked using tech and I always have been the kind of person in the office who was like not complaining when they introduced a new <laughs> a new product. <laughs> Let's do it. And everyone else, you know, complained a lot. Yeah. You know, we haven't had the best technology served up to us. This was like, I like WordPerfect and nothing after that. <laughs> there are still entire courts that only use WordPerfect. It's really interesting. Yeah, no, and and... When, when I realized, I think, was after you do a lot of appeals, I specialized in child welfare cases and sort of when the state takes kids away from their families and I was representing the state. Um, and I also, you know, worked with the state on kind of state tribal issues and really a lot of gray area in those cases, really, really interesting cases. But after you do so many of them, you start to really wonder, like, how can we help these families upstream? Like, why is this coming to, you know, to this level mm. where a kid's being taken away from their family. How can we solve those problems? So I feel like it was a natural progression. When I when I worked at the Washington Attorney General's office, I was advising the headquarters of that state agency, like a massive state agency that has basically it gets involved when a family is having issues and a, a child is um, in danger of being taken away from their family. And so also I, I started to see it not only from the legal perspective, but just what what is the data that these systems are getting? And so I did something, you know, very nerdy that like I don't recommend, but like I basically kind of beautiful mind style. I was like, I, I know how AI could help this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, I wrote an academic law review article because I think that actually this is also maybe a theme throughout my career is that I always felt like, you know, maybe it's because I was a woman and, and just, you know, I struggled to be taken seriously when you have ideas and innovative ideas and you're working in a very kind of old fashioned system um, it's hard to get traction. So I thought, okay, if I can write a law, an academic peer-reviewed law review article, then people will listen. And so that's what I did. But I did it, you know, on my own time at night, just <laughs> researching away about AI. And that's how I learned about sort of the cutting edge of natural language processing. You know, doing what, as a lawyer, you're always doing research because you get a new case. You're like, I have no idea about right. landlord-tenant law. Like, you know, you just have no idea when you get a new issue that's coming up. And so I'm trained in, in doing that kind of research. So that's really what inspired, you know, the idea for ClearBrief in certain ways. Cool. So the process of, of writing that or like your results once you oh, once you have oh. the paper done? you were like, <laughs> So I, I wrote that article and that sort of helped me learn about natural language processing. Hmm. But around that same time, I was doing a pro bono case. It was the first time I'd ever done an asylum case. And I was representing this woman and her toddler from Honduras. And basically, if we lost, they would be sent back to Honduras and probably uh, murdered. Uh, okay. So, you know, no stress. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. It was you know, very uh, terrifying. And I, and I wrote this kind of massive brief. It was, it was sort of interesting, too, because the government often doesn't even file a reply brief. And so we, you know, we put all this work into the case, but the moment we got there for the final hearing that determined the whole outcome, from the moment I walked in, I could tell that the judge was just not inclined to believe me or believe mm. my client and just very grumpy, like really not what you want to see when you get into that courtroom. And so I'm just like, oh my God, we're going to lose. Like, this is horrible. But there was a moment in that hearing where I was able to point the judge to that page of my brief where I was talking about the evidence in the case that was a therapist report that basically said, you know, this woman has experienced like extreme trauma and really, you know, I've never seen this in my career, like that, that kind of evidence, um, mm -hmm. which often is, you don't have that much evidence in a lot of asylum cases because people are fleeing. And so that was really a turning point where I saw the judge read that 
that report and change his mind. And wow. that was what I think led to we, we won. And it was such an amazing moment in, in, you know, in my career and for my client. It was so exciting to see that happen. And it was because, you know, it was able to, at the right moment in time, when the judge was evaluating the case, show him that evidence. Yeah. So that's Offer him clarity, right? Like it makes perfect sense with the, the concept behind the company. And yeah. really, I think that's how you can overcome people's biases is you're just like, look, I'm look, you, you read it, you know, <laughs> mm, <laughs> reading it yeah, yeah. that really got me thinking, okay, like I, I know that there is emerging technology that can surface the evidence and find the best evidence to make that faster and make that moment happen more frequently. And so that's when I really started, you know, thinking about Clearbrief and that's what led to the company. That's a terrific origin story. Cause it's basically like, look at this real impact had and how can I scale this? How can I make this scalable as opposed to all the hours that I put into this for one win? Because you think about that. I mean, I, I'm a pessimist. So I would think about that and think about like, what about all the times that I wasn't able to do this, but potentially could have been able to do this, right? And I would want to solve that. So, And it sounds like that's what you wanted to do, right? But yeah. Yeah. And just make, making it easier for the lawyers out there who have a high caseload volume. They don't, they yeah. don't want to spend insane hours trying to figure out, you know, what document is going to support every sentence. So they might not be doing the best advocacy just because of time constraints where they can't support every sentence with a source. And Clearbrief can make that so much faster. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, and it's So like, what about creative writing? Are you going to go back to that? <laughs> I ask because of the Jordan knows every time I bring up my my background, my education, Canada. poetry. <laughs> poetry. Creative writing, is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I still, I mean, so I'm I'm a musician and a singer-songwriter. So that's how I express myself with my creative writing. <laughs> oh, cool. That's very cool. But it's definitely taken a hit since, you know, leading a song. Would you sing us a song? I don't think we've ever had a song on the podcast. <laughs> we haven't had that on Found before. Um, yeah. <laughs> you oh, would? Wow, okay. Do it. Oh, my God. Is there one about the startup? Uh, like one of my original songs? <laughs> Yeah, sure. Yeah, sing one. Um, I would love that. I'm. I, I need. I need to practice my original songs more. But you know, I, okay. I actually am. A, I'm a professional jazz singer. So. Oh, nice. I, so some standards. There's some standards then, right? Standard. Oh, you like literally have done it all. Okay, wait. So Jackie, would you send us a recording of one of your songs so that we can put it after oh, the episode? Absolutely. Actually, you that should totally. Cool. Just, so when I lived in Alaska, I wrote this like sort of women's empowerment song <laughs> called "The Devil's Club Blues" about. Devil's Club plant. Huh. And yeah, let's check it out. Our, our band in Alaska was called Swing 49. So that's, you know, we're on YouTube and I'm, I'll send you some, I'll send you some stuff. Send us some nice. stuff. Yeah. It really is. Is that jazz? Your own stuff is jazz style stuff too as well? or Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, I don't know. My, my original songs are more like folk rock. I, I was into mm. writing a lot of like angry political rants <laughs> for a while there. Nice. <laughs> um, Good. That's perfect, man. We need more of that on the radio. I yeah, think. we do need more of that. We need more of that in general. I'm yes, so people should be more angry of- and express it in song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great songwriting class at one point with Dan Byrne, where he one of the exercises was take an article from the newspaper and write like an angry political song about. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, it was. It really. Yeah, it's, it's something where there's a lot written about, you know, love and mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing. But there's a lot written about love. Write a political song. It's like um, love yeah, we've lost and the Parta song. Yeah, that's yeah. all there but is. Like that was the the era of like the original folk era was a lot of good protest music, right? Which yeah. this podcast is taking a strange turn. But I'm I mean, here for it. To, to legal writing, it truly is something because 
I feel like always have felt a little bit like an oddball in some ways in the legal profession where I'm like, I also am creative. And Mm, um, I think a lot of the legal profession, our identity is around being extremely serious and facts-based. And one of the interesting things about starting ClearBrief is I've been able to build this community of people who are legal writing nerds who understand that there is so much creativity in legal writing. It's not, yes, you have to show the facts. You have to be accurate when it comes to the facts, but there's a lot of creativity in how you tell that story in storytelling. Because again, like that's really how you persuade is when you're able to humanize the people behind the lawsuit. You're able to make the facts interesting. Even when you're dealing with some like obscure statutory case, if you can actually explain it to the judge and characterize it to that fact finder in a way that explains what's the policy implication behind this decision. Mm -hmm. Like this is important. It's not just dry and boring. I think that's really important skill for lawyers. And our vision is that because you're saving all this time on the tedious, terrible stuff, you have more time to, you know, craft your storytelling and be creative and write more compelling briefs. Yeah. Which, as you said, is also much more sustainable, right? From a professional profession, like for people to want to stay in the profession, to not get burnt out, to enjoy their career. That is definitely, I know more than my fair share of lawyers because it's kind of in the family, but like they all think like that to a degree. And it's all about the art of the argument. And it's not a thing where it's like, well, at least the people I know, it's not a, it's not a math adjacent skill. It's not something where you're like, well, I'll take all these ingredients and then add them together and then come out with some X, Y, Z, right? It is, it is much more a creative arts adjacent skill. One anecdote about that. I grew up having to just prove everything. My dad would just be like, oh, that's an interesting, like, <laughs> I'm I, sorry. he'd be like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so did you, you, oh, I caught you smoking, Daryl. Why were you smoking? And, and I'd be like, well, and then he'd be like, if you give me a good argument, it's fine. I won't punish you. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> May I approach <laughs> the bench, please? Um, it's horrible to be like married to me, I'm sure. <laughs> Like, well, I, I mean, there are a bunch of professions that suck to be married to, right? Like therapists <laughs> and stuff. I mean, like, I mean, even journalists. But I mean, that's one of the things that <laughs> that's one of the things that I think about with Clear Brief. Like, you're talking about using all that extra time to like be creative, right? Or like use kind of like your problem solving skills instead of your like manual labor skills. But it also feels like probably what Daryl was saying about sustainability, like I feel like we get this feeling sometimes, Daryl, in in journalism where it's like, it is high stakes. Like it might just be, you know, like tech startups and blah, blah, blah. We're not writing about like, you know, the abortion ruling or whatever, but like it all is important and it matters a lot to a big group of people and you can't get it wrong. Like getting it wrong has a huge cost and I feel like lawyers, that weight has to be so huge. Even for the small Mm -hmm. stuff is actually a really big deal and you got to get it right. And that can be so exhausting, right? So like, yes. I think right. if anything that alleviates that. Yeah, and, and actually, we're, I'm really interested too and in maybe, you know, at some point, journalists being able to use ClearBrief because I'm the kind of person who, when I read an article, I get super frustrated if they don't include a link, a link. or something like, okay, so You're talking about this study, like, I want to read the study. I don't want, you know, you might have mischaracterized it. I want to read it or, or even actually reporting on court decisions. It bothers me to know end when they don't link to the opinion or the court right. decision. Oh my God, there's nothing worse than reporting on a court decision though. Like I, <laughs> I would rather write up a thousand earnings reports than write another court decision. Gosh, it is. Like, oh, let's get you set up with Clearbrave. It's going to be. Yeah, <laughs> it is the worst. Oh 
Yeah, if you want to beta test clear brief for journalists, we'll do it. We're your your customers for that. Well, also for for investment memos. Like, there's so many situations. That's funny because I I was talking with someone. I didn't realize they were an investor, but (laughs) it was a VC. And and then, you know, they were asking me about clear brief. And she was like, you know, I would love that for, you know, pitch checks and investment memos. There's so much bullshitting that goes on about that. Yes. Like, I want to show me, you know, the market report. Show me this the article. That would be terrific. Because you hear about, like, oh, include an appendix. And then, but a lot of times people don't have time for that or whatever, and but they still want that information. But if you could just present it to them right next to the assertions in the deck or whatever, oh, that would be big, I'm sure. Just make it as easy as possible for people to do their due diligence. And yeah, yeah, that's that's really at the core of what I think will help our society be more truthful, be more rigorous about trying to understand the facts <laughs> before coming to it, their own conclusions. Great. Cool. We're just about out of time, but I think we ended in a good place because we actually, we've solved misinformation. <laughs> no, <laughs> but we're on our way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could get there. So thanks, Jackie. It's been a pleasure talking to you and we're definitely going to include your song at the end of this episode and our oh, listeners will, will be able to enjoy that. So thanks for that so as well. Much. Awesome. Well, it was so wonderful chatting with you both and Really appreciate the the visibility you give to young startups. We do our best. That's what the whole thing should be about, right? Right, Jordan? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we always do our best. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you. Yeah, that was great. All right, Jordan, that was our chat with Jackie. And she and her company are going to save the legal system so many hours probably have saved it already the legal system so many hours so what did you think about our chat yeah i mean i think that legal tech is like one of those things where we're gonna see a lot happen there's so much about it that is so broken all the way up and down the system so there's lots of room here to innovate and change things and disrupt you might say right i think the thing that excited me most about our conversation isn't necessarily the technology that exists right now in clear brief although i think that's super cool right matching the evidence to what you're writing it's almost like grammarly but for right. but it's way smarter which i think is super cool but i also you can see a vision, right? Like I can imagine being a VC and having Jackie pitch me and be like, right now we do this, but, and like the dot, dot, dot there is so cool and exciting that, you know, and it's the built in kind of virality of what she's built where like one lawyer on one case has to use it. And then the judge is hooked and then the other lawyers hooked and then he uses it on another case or she uses it on another case. And it, you can see how quickly something like this would grow and kind of catch fire. And once it's there, then it's like a feature game, right? Like what else yeah. can we build in that kind of like supplants or replaces some of the slow, outdated, broken stuff. And for that reason, I think this conversation and what Jackie is building were really, really exciting. I didn't expect myself to get so amped on legal software. Yeah, I think it's something that you can appear dry. But then when you start thinking about the implications of it, like you're saying, like it's it has a lot of potential. And it's also this thing that has a lot of potential from like a a real social good angle, not in the way that you normally think about, you know, it's not like Jackie's running a charity or anything, but like the potential, especially once and she kept alluding to this being a future goal. And I think you were kind of alluding to this too, but eventually what happens is not just a lookup and a reference. There's AI involved. She wants to use the data sets that she creates and the captures to sort of train future software to recognize like, 
oh, maybe you should adapt your argument in way X, Y, Z, right? In that way, you start really leveling the playing field between small firms. And she even mentioned individuals who self-represent, right? So people who can't maybe take advantage, like just because of cost, like can't afford a firm or representation or whatever, but like can actually compete because, you know, they have tools that are available to them and that are accessible that are the equivalent of like the large bodies of research teams that huge firms employ, right? And then on the other side, the other social good potentially is courts are totally backed up and have no resources and can't get through things and make mistakes and just like would benefit hugely from being able to expedite a lot of this stuff, right? So you talk about like rights and people have a right to sort of like a swift justice or whatever. trial. Yeah. Yeah. A speedy trial and timely trial. So those things, those are fundamental rights and the software could potentially enable those provided the technology gets there, which is really cool. Yeah. I mean, it's like one of those things where if anything should be objective and fair, it should be our justice system and it's just not, right? And this is like, it feels like a pretty giant step. So I really enjoyed talking to Jackie. I know our listeners probably did too. You should tell us about how much you enjoyed it and leave us a review and stuff. Maybe some five stars or five and a half, six, whatever. Yeah, leave us all the stars and then we're going to leave you with a beautiful song from Jackie. And then when you're listening to that song and think about how good it is, you're going to want to rate our podcast as though you were in that song. We'll pass on that right. We'll pass on those stars. Yeah, totally. You can trust us. Yeah, exactly. Founders hosted by myself, TechCrunch news editor Daryl Etherington, and TechCrunch managing editor Jordan Crook. We are produced by Ashad Kulkarni and edited by Kel Keller, and Maggie Stamets is our associate producer. TechCrunch's audio products are managed by Henry Pickovit. Our guest this week was Jackie Schaefer, founder and CEO at ClearBrief. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and on Twitter at twitter.com slash found. You can also email us at found at techcrunch.com. You can call and leave us a voicemail at 510-936-1618. Also, We'd love if you could spare a few minutes to fill out our listener survey at bit.ly slash found listener survey. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week.
that you ever could consume. But then one day a boat washed ashore without a crew. And suddenly that woman's plans, they grow and grow and grow into the devil's club. Oh, the devil's club blues. Don't you ever judge a woman till you've gone hacking in her shoes. Oh, now you see them everywhere upon Alaska's shores. The symbol of the loss of all who don't come home no more. That woman's tears, they fell so hard, she cried so many nights. The birds, they turned to bitterness, they'll cut you with this bundle. The devil's club, the devil's club blues. Don't you ever judge a woman. 